Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Well, hey, my name is Zach. Uh, I am the youth pastor here, and I'm super excited to be with you guys this morning. I love all the times I get uh, to speak and share at Outreach Church because you guys are just... You know, we're a lot of fun, and I love this place. I've been here since 2015, and it's just been such a special gift to my family. Uh, made so many amazing friends here, and I'm thankful. How many of you are thankful for Outreach Church? Come on. Come on. Um, yeah, so I'm the youth pastor, and this last couple of weeks, we were doing a series uh, with the youth called our Gospel Series. We were just... Just talking about just the basics and the foundations of what Jesus did on the cross. And while, he was, while we were doing that, we had Roy come and teach. And it was awesome. Uh, the kids loved Roy. I told Roy, you have 15 minutes to give a message because kids' attention spans are low. And you already know by the fact that I said that, what happened that day. He didn't preach for 15 minutes. He preached for like 30 minutes. But it was absolutely amazing. A lot of the kids never heard Roy's testimony before. Actually, raise your hand if you've not heard Roy's testimony before. Come on. All right. So that's the number of people. So Roy, hey, next week, man. But it, it was absolutely amazing. And Roy's testimony has a lot to do with what he overcame as a kid, uh, drugs and a, a life just walking completely away from the Lord and how the Lord saved him in a moment. And it's, it's such a powerful, powerful story. So the next week I taught, and I have nothing like that story. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. Me and, me and David, man, Presbyterians. All right, I got the sprinkle treatment, man. Um, but I had nothing like that. I went to church every Sunday. I love church. I love my youth group. I love my youth pastor. I love my church friends. I never cussed, never drank, never did drugs. I never missed a Sunday. But he still died for me, too. And if I'm honest with you, I wrestled with that for a lot of my life. Because I related so much to Jesus as my Lord. But because I grew up in a church, there was never any horrible sins in my life. I struggled with seeing him as Savior. That's just me being just super vulnerable. And I remember one day the Lord led me to a passage, and I just want to put it up here on the screen. It's, it's in 1 Peter 1. For you know that it was not with the perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I want to tell you that you weren't saved from sin. You weren't saved from wrongs and problems. You were saved from living an empty life. I remember in January 2011, I knew the Lord. I was saved, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what I was alive for. And then I met the Lord. I met the Holy Spirit. I knew the Lord, I just didn't know the Spirit. I didn't know everything he died for me for. 
And in that moment, purpose came into my life. That I wasn't just died. I did, he didn't just die for me so that I could not wrestle with sin. He didn't just die for me so that I could go to heaven at some point in my life. He died so that heaven could get into me. He died so that I could live a life filled with purpose and meaning, bringing the kingdom of God to the places that he calls me to. Every single one of you was born for a purpose. He spoke to Jeremiah and said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I separated you out before you were ever born. And I appointed you for a purpose, to be a prophet to the nations. Every single one of you was known before you were formed in your mother's womb. You were separated out in this world. And you were appointed for a purpose. I got two messages in my life. I've realized this after I've been teaching youth the last several years and teaching here every once in a while. It's God wants to talk to you and your life has a purpose. Everything else I've ever said, I just found a different way to say those two things. (laughs) Ephesians 2 says this, that you were not saved by grace, by good works. You are saved for good works. There are good works set aside for you, and that's your purpose. And this moment, this morning when we were, we were worshiping and the ministry team was up here and people were getting ministered to, you were seeing the face of God. You were seeing the safety and the awe and the wonder and the power and the presence of Jesus was in our midst. Some of you were seeing things that maybe you hadn't seen before, things that you had forgotten about the nature of who God is. And I want to tell you what your purpose is. Your purpose is found in what you see when you see the Lord. If your life has experienced healing in some way, that right there is attached to the purpose and the calling that is on your life. If you were healed from cancer, there is a purpose on your life in that. To share that testimony with others. The psalmist talks about how Israel, they began to lose the battles of their life because they neglected to tell of the testimonies of what Jesus did in their history. The kingdom of God expands. It goes into all the world because you're telling the stories of what you see when you've seen the Lord of what you've experienced when you've seen the Lord. And when you share them with each other, it encourages us. It riles our faith up to go and to do things that we never thought was possible. Your purpose is down in what you see when you see the Lord. I remember years ago, I was having lunch with a friend, and I was telling him, I was like, man, I got nothing to say. I'm in love with Jesus. I am passionate about him, but I have nothing to tell people. The only things that happen to me when I get alone with God is he talks to me about dreams and understanding dreams and his voice and principalities and and miracles and signs and wonders. No one wants to hear about that. He looked at me and goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would God share something with you about who he is and he not want you to share it? It's why 
We can be in a room of people having a Bible study. We can read the same couple of verses and every single person can get something different out of them. Because he always speaks to us all uniquely and differently. And that right there has to do with the purpose that's on your life. One of the greatest things you can do is ask the questions. Why are you communicating this to me? What do you want me to do with it? Because it's obviously important that God would say what he's saying to you. Would cause you to go through, would, would bring the healing upon you that you, you, you received. The revelation that you have, the friends that you have, the church family that you have. There, there's a reason for these things and it's all aligned with the purpose and the calling that is on your life. But it is up to you to ask the questions, to seek him, to understand these things. So you know how to appropriately use it to build the kingdom the way that God's called you to. And today, I want to look with you at a story uh, very special to me. It's First Samuel, Samuel, First Samuel. Oh man, let me take a sip of this water real quick. We're going to read First Samuel chapter three. Oh, man. If you go to my family's house at, like, Thanksgiving and dinner, it's just one big table of people mispronouncing words. <laughs> and no one calls each other out on it. It's not, like, you, I, I, you learn how to interpret tongues at my family dinners. <laughs> oh, man. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Hey, I just want to, I can pray real quick before we go. God, I thank you for laughter. Man, I thank you that there is joy in the house of the Lord and that the purpose on our lives is motivated by passion. It's motivated by joy. It's motivated by wonder. And Lord, would this room just be filled with those things this morning? You said that the deep things, the purposes of a man's heart is like deep waters, but it takes a man of understanding to be able to draw it out. God, I ask for the spirit of understanding to fill this room, to draw out the deep things that are in our hearts, the things that you've placed there before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. That today would be just a moment of revelation and a deep, deep place of intimacy. Our intimacy with you would just increase because of what you do in the room this morning. Amen. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord is rare. There were not many visions. I just want to stop actually right there. I want to say that your purpose always begins with your ministry to the Lord. Your purpose always begins in the secret place. When you're alone with him and you pour your heart out on him and he pours himself back on you. That's where it starts. It's what you see when you see the Lord. It's what you see when you see the Lord. 
My dad used to tell me all the time, if you're looking for a job, if you're trying to be creative and find something different to do, he said, find the need and fill it. Find the need in society. Find the need in your community. Find the need somewhere and fill it. And I just want to tell you, I think that's what this story talks about, is that your need finds you. It's the thing that angers you. It's the thing that makes you come alive. It's the thing that you see that no one else sees. It's part of your purpose. Your need finds you. And in this first verse, it talks about the need of the time of Israel that found Samuel. The first thing it says is that Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. If you were to read the first couple of chapters of Samuel, it talks about Eli, and it talks about how he failed as a leader, a, a, a priestly leader over Israel. He didn't discipline his sons when they were grievous, and they would take the offerings and the fatty portions for themselves, but he actually ate the fatty portions that was given as offerings to the Lord for themselves. That's why it says later on that Eli, he fat. He actually, how he died was he was so fat, he was sitting in a rocking chair, he fell over and broke his neck. Yeah. That's exactly how the youth respond when I say something like that. They're like, what? That's in the Bible? <laughs> it's a true story. Read your Bible. The need was for a leader who wasn't selfish. The need was for a servant leader, not a selfish one. Second thing it says, that the voice of the Lord is rare in those days, and visions were infrequent. The need of the time was that people needed to hear the voice of God. And it wasn't that God wasn't speaking. It was that man just refused to listen. So God went quiet. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. But the filling that takes place is always in proportion to the hunger. You want more of Jesus. Ask to be made more hungry. Ask to be made more thirsty. I said to you find your purpose by the thing that makes you upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm ex- exercising wisdom and expressing my, my upsetness at times. But um, your tension reveals your wisdom. Excuse me. Your tension reveals your mission. Your tension reveals your mission. The tension on Abraham's life was that he wanted to be a father, but his wife was barren. But the mission on his life was become a father of nations. That tension, it riled something up in him so that when God called him to go, he went. Because he knew that he was someone who's going to value the role of a father. So God's like, I can trust that man be a father of nations. The tension on Joseph's life was that he had a dream that he didn't understand that 
coward his heart, and his brothers wanted to kill him for it. But the mission that was on his life was to interpret dreams that other people didn't understand because if it wasn't interpreted, then people would die. The tension in Jesus' life was that he wanted to be one with his children, but the effects of sin was going to kill them. It was leading them to death, but the mission on his life was to take on the effects of sin and die so that he could be reunited with his children. Your tension reveals your mission. What is the tension that makes you angry? What is the tension that is that one thing that you feel like you can't escape from? There, inside of that, there is a purpose in your life. You are meant to find the need and fill it. And I'm telling you, your need, the need will find you. Your tension reveals your mission. One night, Eli, his eyes became so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in the usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel and answered, Here I am. Here I am. Man, when you're alone with Jesus, what is your heart? What is your heart's cry? That's what it is. When you get alone with him, the reason why it starts in the secret place or one of the reasons is because God is wooing your heart for something. He's stirring you up. So when God spoke to him, he didn't even know in that moment it was the Lord speaking. But he is, there was an eagerness to be obedient to the voice. There was an eagerness to say, God, what you say, I'll say. What you'll do, I'll do. It was the call of Jesus. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. <laughs> what is it that you're hearing your father do? What is it that you're hearing him say? That's your heart's cry. What's your heart's cry? Where is the thing that just keeps coming up? Where does your mind go where when you're resting and you just wander off somewhere? What is it? If your life is fully given to the ministry of Jesus, where your heart goes, where your mind goes, is revealing something to you. Here I am. His calls for obedience. It was obedience. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lied down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. One of the first things in navigating and walking out into your purpose is that we all have to learn how to embrace risk. Everyone has to learn how to embrace risk. The safest place is where we minister to the Lord. But so much of what risk is, is learning to take what we've experienced of God in private and taking it out into the public. Samuel left the room where he ministered to the Lord. He left the room where he heard his voice. He left the room where he said, here I am. And he went to somewhere else. He went into someone else's space. He, went, he, he, he left that place. 
Risk has everything to do about learning how to utilize the trust and the faithfulness that you've developed in secret and navigating it in public. It's the heart of God. It's Matthew 6. He says, I see what's done in secret and I'll reward it in public. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, I see what you do in secret. I'll reward it in public. But one thing about risk, and I've heard people, one thing about risk is risk isn't reckless. Risk isn't reckless. It may look reckless to others, but risk is learning how to utilize the relationship you have with God into other areas of society. It's learning how to use your favor. I love, I always talk to Merle. I said, Merle, I love you, man, because you, you're a risk taker. Every time I talk to you, you're doing something new. You know, you're telling me about some grand dream you have, and then you accomplish it, and six months later, you're doing something completely different. If you know Merle, you know that about him. I love that. He's a big dreamer. He's a visionary. Man, it encourages me. I like getting around people who are risk takers because it encourages me in my own faith for what I'm called to do. Find people who are risk takers. Find people who walk in faithfulness. Find people who dream beyond you. I promise you, your dream will grow. You'll be able to see more of yourself. You'll be able to, the, to step out and give God more of a chance to reward you for your faithfulness. The second thing that happens here is that Samuel runs. He runs with the risk. He runs with faith to respond to the call. And Eli says, I didn't call you. We've all had those moments we've stepped out where we felt like the Lord was leading us somewhere and it fell flat. For one reason or another. The second thing that we have to learn is to not take rejection personally. To not take rejection personally. Because it comes to everybody. And this was a theme that was going to follow Samuel throughout his whole life. When he was old, and Israel said, man, we're, <laughs> we want a king. We don't want to be led by the Lord anymore. We want a king like everybody else. God came to him and says, don't take this rejection personally. It's not you. It's me at the rejecting. When Saul fell and God removed the anointing from his life, Samuel felt the rejection. He's like, man, but I anointed him. I poured my life into this man. God told him, don't take this rejection personally. It's not about you. See, sometimes when we encounter rejection, you're actually encountering a spirit. And it's you walking into what God's called you to, but the enemy has actually occupied that territory, and what you're feeling is the, is the emotion of that thing. The enemy self-reflects, self-projects. And so sometimes when you walk into an atmosphere and you feel fear, you feel the rejection, it's actually the fear 
of the enemy's territory that you're feeling. Israel encountered this when they came into the wilderness. They went into the wilderness, and every, or they went into the promised land. They all felt fear because they saw the giants. But Samuel was, or, but uh, Caleb was one of a different spirit. He was. He wasn't affected by what they were feeling. He was still affected by what he encountered in the secret place of the Lord. That place is for us. And here's the secret too. Every single time. This happened several times. I didn't call you, Samuel. I didn't call you. Samuel returned to the same place. He returned to the place where he ministered to the Lord. He returned to the place where his faith was built so that every single time he could say, here I am. Here I am. I think so many people walk in promise. But because of risk failing or encountering rejection, they've questioned the thing that they've heard in secret. They've questioned the very thing that God's called them to. See, the next thing Samuel had to learn was how to receive correction. Because he comes back a fourth time. And Eli realized that it was the Lord calling him. He said this, go back to your room and say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. If you can learn how to receive correction, you'll get to your purpose. Correction is family language. It's family dialogue. Hebrews 12 tells us that a father disciplines his son. And if a son doesn't receive the discipline of his father, then he's illegitimate. It's family talk. Connection always comes before correction, man. It's, it's, it's the talk of a relationship. It's the talk of love. And I've heard it preached many times that some, many of us, uh, or it's, it's easy to sometimes re- confuse rejection with correction. When God's correcting, sometimes we feel rejected. But I want to say, also say that it works the other way too. Sometimes we've, we've reviewed rejection as correction. We've stopped running after the promise. But it takes wisdom to be able to discern the voice. And when I say the voice, I'm not talking about the person or the place where it comes from. It's actually discerning the voice. Because Samuel received rejection and correction from the same voice, from the same person. But the voice changed. One was spoken at first. I have just a natural wisdom. I didn't call you. The second time, when he corrected him, said, go back and say, your servant is listening. Because it's the Lord. It was spoken out of a voice of counsel and out of heavenly wisdom. And sometimes the hardest place to receive correction is when it's coming from the same places that we've received rejection. The importance is, is your heart staying tender to the voice of God? Because that will help you to be able to discern is it the Lord? Is it the Lord? Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go, lie down. 
And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his face. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone tingle. This is the moment where the Lord turned Samuel's tension and the tension of Israel to his mission. He was looking for a servant leader, not a selfish one. And this selfish leader literally gave him the corrective word of saying, you need to be a servant of what he's about to say because I've missed it for years. And so he comes before the Lord and says, yes, Lord. Your servant is listening. And God's response was, I'm about to make the ears of everyone in Israel tingle. I'm about to speak again. And that's the moment where they co-labored together and set on a mission of opening the ears of Israel to hear the voice of God again. He goes on to say this. And the Lord was with Samuel and he grew up and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Bersheba recognized Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And there the Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. I want to say this. Your purpose has a place. Your purpose has a place. The Lord's leading you somewhere. You're going somewhere, but it's not necessarily about a destination. It's about the journey of finding the Lord because your purpose is always going to ebb and flow through life. There's sometimes when you realize you're in this, you're, you're in a zone, you're in a river, you're like, I'm doing the very thing that God's called me to do. I feel it. I feel the, the power on it. I feel the presence on it. But then there's sight seasons and times when you're not. And it's there when you're learning how to navigate the, the faith, the characteristics, and the zeal to maintain that place, to stay in that place, through hardships, through difficulty. But your purpose has a place. And Samuel, was, he was known as a prophet everywhere from Dan to Beersheba. I heard it was said this way before. Your gift can work anywhere, but it works best somewhere. But here's the thing, too, about purpose. It has to start with the presence. Presence before platforms. And when the presence is lacking, it can take purpose to idolatry. The difference between what's idolatry and what's purpose is found. Is it being led by the presence or not? Is it being led by your ministry to the Lord? It's quiet in here. Y'all feeling this? Yeah? Come on. I am. Um, this story, I, I love this story. I go back and I read this story all the time because it's always meant something 
It's meant so much to me. In, um, in 2016, 2017, I went through a, a pretty, pretty big transition in my life. Me and Madison did. Um, I felt the Lord lead me to, to leave my job and go to a school that trained me for medical device sales. I had a dream about it. And a lot of the things lined up. I remember in the night, um, I went to bed one night and I said, God, you know, I, need a, I need a job or allow me to be more present with my family. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do. That night I had a dream. I went to a job fair. And the lady at the front desk says, you start at 1027. I was like, oh. I woke up and said, like, I have no idea what that means. I just know that God has a job for me. He has something different for I can be more present with my family. I'm gone from my family all the time. On October 27th, I got a job. <laughs> 10:27. And I, it was actually a school that I was invited to go to. That was state, and so I left for several months. And at the end of that school, I found an old dream that I had. Where in the dream, Roy and someone else came to me and said, hey, you're going to go to a trade school at some point, but it's going to take a long time before you get a job. Don't worry about it. I was like, I was taking my exams the next morning. There's a 97% job placement rating with the school, and I was in the 3%. come back and me and Madison were, we were pregnant at the time and we sent out all of our uh, announcement cards that we were pregnant and on the day that everyone got them we found out we miscarried I remember just feeling just so horrible so I'm getting my phones blowing up with congratulation text and I'm just as confused as ever about what, about my life. And I remember the next several months was just some of this, the hardest seasons of my life where I just never felt so confused about my purpose. Where I, 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 I never, I, I felt so confused about like, God, like, what are you doing with me? Where are you leading me, man? My whole life is built on following your voice. Every good thing I have in my life is coming from the voice of the Lord. I can look at some of you and say how the Lord's voice spoke and brought you into my life. It brought me here. I remember being in Africa in 2012 and the Lord speaking to me and says, when you get home, there's a guy named David Pearson. He goes to Clemson University. Go hang out with him in December when you get back because you two are going to be really good friends. We spent like a whole day together in Clemson that day. He stood at my wedding. I stood at his. Everything. And now, all these things seem to be falling flat. Like, I didn't know how to process a God who gives life, especially this time, and life abundantly.
not dealing with a miscarriage. That's not Jesus to me. And I just, in this time of feeling like I was failing as a, as a husband and as a man who wanted to be a dad, I remember one day I went to a coffee shop. And I just remember thinking like, is there a point where you're old enough to where it's just life, where you just don't, you just do the certain things and you just grit your teeth and get by. And I was reading this passage over and over and over and over again for some reason that day. And I knew the Lord was speaking to me. And I said, God, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? And he said, you're going to be a dad. You're going to have a son. And you're going to name him Samuel. But it's not the right time yet. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've gotten loony. <laughs> I've gone crazy. I'm literally thinking, like, I'm making this up in my head. This is just so stupid. Like, I, what, what is going on? And I, before I go say any more, I'll say this. When he says it's not the right time yet, I'm not saying that. I, I just want to make sure no one hears this this way. I don't believe God had anything to do with my miscarriage. Like, I, I just want to make that clear. I don't want anyone to hear that otherwise. But that's what I heard. And then he says, it'll be in the year 2020. Because the times are going to change. And then all of a sudden, they start giving me these different verses and these different signs. And one of the verses I remember was, there was no king in the land, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And I, I literally just told the Lord, like, I don't know if I got the faith to believe this at this moment right now. I don't know if I got it. And there's absolutely no way I'm telling my wife this. So you're going to have to tell her. <laughs> so three weeks go by. We come home from church one Sunday, and Madison looks at me and goes, I'm going to tell you something. I had an encounter with the Lord at church. And he spoke to me. I was like, well, what did he say? He said, we're going to have a kid. He said, it's going to be a boy. And he told me, we need to name him Samuel. And I was like, he told me the same thing. She said, and then he told me, it's not the right time yet. I wanted to be a dad. It was a perfect, it's in my heart. When I'm with the Lord, that's what I've heard him say. I long for it. But there was a tension there. Tension becomes your mission. And you get to it. You get to that place by making him your ministry. And realizing that when you see him, when you see him as a father, he can make you a father. When you see him as a business owner, he can make you a business owner. When you see him as a pastor, he can make you as a pastor. When you see him as a healer, that he can use you to be a healer. 
When he sees you, when you see him as a miracle worker, then maybe then you too will be a miracle worker. He wants to release miracles through you. We can see him as a visionary. He wants to release vision through you. Just keep him the focus of your ministry. Embrace risk. Don't take rejection personally. And learn how to receive correction. Because that's the language of the family. It's the language that tells you you're a son, you're a daughter of God. The year 2020 comes. And we're pregnant. The changing of the times. 2020 was a changing of the times. Now, I remember being in the delivery room. Oops. I remember being in the delivery room. And Madison was about to give birth. And there was a TV. And it was showing the news. And it was showing riots taking place in the streets. Just the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. And people were screaming and holding signs saying, Not my president. And I remembered that word. When there's a king in the land, then every man, when there's no king in the land, then every man will do what's right in his own eyes. And to me, that was a sign. That in my darkest moment, if I make my ministry to the Lord, he'll still speak. Because he's still working things out in me for his good. He still called me to good works. And I just want to say, I, I, I prayed and I asked God for one thing this morning. I said, God, would you awaken purpose into the hearts of the people that I reach? Would you awaken purpose? Would you awaken value in the hearts of the people? That whether maybe you've grown tired, maybe you've risked it and failed, maybe in the face of disappointment and defeat, You quit trying at some point. You quit believing. You reduce God to a Sunday morning experience. You've reduced God. So now as the author and the finisher. There is never a point where we can get to on this side of eternity where we really the fullness of the value that's on our lives because of what he's put in us. See, the call of your life cannot be limited to your life. It goes beyond your life. It can't be limited to a career path, a vocation. Paul had a vocation of making tents. No one's here living in those tents today. But we're still living off the calling that was on his life just the revelation of Jesus. The revelation of grace. The calling of your life isn't limited to your life. It's meant to go beyond it. You are big 
bigger than what you know. What God has put inside of you, what he's separated out, is bigger than what you know. Jeremiah, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And when the nations are burning to the ground, when the nations are falling, he says, I have good things planned for you. Hope for you. Hope for your future. In the face of the greatest disappointment of his life. God gave him the most hopeful word, maybe in all of scripture. And 70 years later, a man named Daniel read that passage. And he looked in the direction of Israel and said, God has a purpose for us. And it led the captives free. The calling on your life, the purpose of your life, is it limited to your life. Death, defeat, failure, delays, disappointment, these things cannot limit it. Because the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you.